species takes place as a result of everlasting fight. The preservation of favored races in the struggle for life is the second half of Darwin's title for The Origin of Species. Even if you realize that by favored races he was not at this stage referring to human beings, the phraseology has a strange ring to it. The Golden Age of Darwinism saw the publication of Julian Huxley's Evolution in Action, 1963, which I remember reading when I was a schoolboy, and which seemed to me then entirely convincing. It was a shorter version of his 1942 groundbreaking book, Evolution, The Modern Synthesis. This was a synthesis between basic Victorian Darwinism and the discoveries of modern genetics, which when Huxley wrote, was still in their infancy relative to our level of knowledge today. The most coherent expression of this belief in the synthesis is The Theory of Evolution by John Maynard Smith, which was revised in 1993. Since those classics, there has been an abundance of books, articles, television programs expounding the ideas of Darwin. Although Darwin's original ideas are, in fact, when you come to read much of this material, very heavily revised and indeed changed, in the writings of the Darwinians the central contention remains the same. Darwin was right. Species evolve by a series of micro-changes, and this explanation is sufficient for everything. The Darwinian process explains all. Perhaps the most readable and pugnacious proponent of this viewpoint is Richard Dawkins, who, since publishing such books as The Selfish Gene and The Blind Watchmaker in the 1970s, has seemed to put the truth of the Darwinian position beyond question. Nothing, however, is beyond question. As I quarried the history of Darwin himself, it was inevitable that I should wish to see how his ideas stood up in the light of contemporary scientific knowledge. This book, I quickly came to see, was very different from a biography of a painter or a politician. If our tastes have changed, today, and we no longer admire G.F. Watts, for example, as much as his contemporaries did, it does not mean he was a bad painter. Lord Palmerston's way of being Prime Minister might not work today, but we can still esteem him in his own time and place. Science is not, however, a matter of passing taste. It is a matter of verifiable fact. With any scientist in the past, we are bound to ask whether their insights and theories still seem plausible. And in the case of Darwin, this is doubly true, since his name is invoked so frequently by current evolutionary theorists. I soon came to realize when I started my reading that, in fact, there is no consensus among scientists about the theory of evolution. Most would recognize that Darwin was a great pioneer of evolutionary biology. And everyone must recognize that he was a prodigiously wide-ranging 
and observant naturalist, whose voyage in HMS Beagle, when he was a very young man, brought back a wealth of specimens and changed many branches of natural science. Everyone must recognize that he was among the foremost experts on the earthworm, and his book on The Expression of Emotions in Man and Animals is a masterpiece. When it comes to the two books which gave the world the adjective Darwinian, however, The Origin of Species, 1859, and The Descent of Man, 1871, opinions vary enormously in the scientific world. Until I got down to doing my reading, I had assumed that, broadly speaking, scientific opinion accepted the truth of Darwin's central theories and that objections to it were motivated not by scientific doubts, but by...